What is up, everybody? Welcome to another installment of Shot Callers, presented by 48 Minutes Network. Uh, you can find us at 48minutesnetwork.com. I'm your host, Kyle Brandon. Joining me, as he always does, my man, Trap Money Benny. Ben Brown, what's up, Ben? GLK, what's up, my brother? How you going? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, we're still in team preview season, so we're going to be uh, talking some Timberwolves today. we got a great guest with us, uh, Ben Beacon. He's the site expert at dunkingwithwolves.com. He also does some stuff with uh, fan-sided NBA Network. And with uh, Grandstand Central. So we're going to get into it. But first, our friends, uh, state champs. I said, I always remember the wood crack beneath my feet in a busy street. I never said I was angry, but I think I'm still in misery. But it's what I. Cool, so uh, we got Ben Beacon with us. Ben, how you doing, my man? Doing great. How are you guys? We're good. We're awesome, good. man. Awesome. We're excited good. to have you. Talk some wolves. Um, it's been crazy here. We're recording this on a Sunday. Um, we got a lot of content to put up, so this, uh, this will probably go up in about a week or two-ish. Um, but the internet's been pretty crazy about the Timberwolves in the last... 24 to 48 hours. Absolutely. So we're going to get into that a little bit. We're going to talk last season, talk the playoffs, something that uh, Timberwolves haven't talked about in a little while, so that's exciting. Um, talk a little Thibodeau, talk some uh, Timber Bulls. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's start off with last year, I guess. We'll start there. Uh, the Wolves got bounced in the first round. They were an eight seed. They played the one seed Rockets, unfortunately. Um, how, was, how was that time... Uh, for the Wolves, Ben. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking to somebody who's been a Wolves fan um, for my whole life, and I remember, I guess I was in high school when they were in the playoffs last. Um, so the um, <laughs> just getting into the playoffs was huge. Um, that was, I mean, obviously for any Wolves fan or for any basketball fan, they know it was the longest drought in the NBA. So um, that was the biggest thing. Um, and for it to come down to game 82 of the season, have Jimmy Butler come back from injury, you know, only play a couple games before that after being out for six weeks, um, five weeks or so, um, was huge. So, you know, just getting into the playoffs was awesome. Um, and you know, once, once they were in, everybody kind of knew the Rockets were going to win. It was a matter of if it was going to be a sweep or maybe five or six games and, you know, to win one playoff game, the first playoff win since the Western conference finals in 2004, which is just insane. Um, you know, that that's, that means a lot to Wolves fans. So, you know, that was certainly, uh, certainly the highest point that Wolves fans have enjoyed since, uh, Garnett's you know, well before he was even traded, you know, since the, since 14 years ago. Yeah. Are you actually in Minnesota? I'm not now. Um, I grew up in Minnesota. Yeah, I was in Minnesota. Um, I've actually lived in Oklahoma city now for almost eight years. Um, but you know, speaking for all my friends and family back home and, and, you know, I grew up going to games in Minnesota. I know I have a pretty good feeling about, about, you know, what target center was like, you know, at that point. Right on. Uh, so you were going to games, you said eight years ago ish. Yeah. Ten, yeah. Eight to 10 years ago or so. So uh, who was on team eight to 10 years ago? I'm trying to think. Man. Well, so believe it or not, I actually had season tickets the year that I moved to Oklahoma City um, in the middle of the season. Uh, geez, it was one of those Rambus years where they won 16 or 17 games. Uh, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, it was like the Timberwolves had done this thing where like you um, 
you pay the pick. So they were in the lottery that year. It was the year they drafted Wesley Johnson. So um, basically you put down a deposit and then depending on what pick they get in the lottery, that's that's what you pay for your seats, which is just crazy. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I work in sports business and so I've been involved in like setting ticket prices and stuff. And it's an interesting strategy for sure. But, you know, they just wanted people in the, uh, in the arena. Um, and so I paid like four bucks per seat because I got the fourth pick and picked Wesley Johnson and um, we're just awful. But, you know, I love going to games. And so since I've been down here, I've been to pretty much every Wolves Thunder game and a couple games in Minneapolis every year. But um, yeah, I mean, those, you know, Johnny Flynn teams, Johnny Flynn, Wesley Johnson, Martel Webster, um, you know, that was a, uh, you know, Darko Milicic, um, kind of that year was like right when Kevin Love was starting to become an all-star. Um, it was, uh, there were some dark times. That's a rough rock. <laughs> yeah. I'm ben, making a face. Ben, ben looked at me like he was in pain. Like oh was my pain gosh. Was that, I mean, yeah. so the Johnny Flynn era. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, I mean, look, I didn't, That's a... <laughs> I didn't miss too many games either. I was, you know, I was there. I was as much as I could be. I was there and I, you know, I, I think they won maybe, I moved in like January, so halfway through the season, I think I saw maybe two home wins before then. Um, it was uh, it was pretty bad. Is is Minnesota like a sports town? Would you say? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, the Timberwolves are are pretty solidly maybe tied for third. Um, I would say the Vikings are, are number one, and and the Wild are probably number two, being the state of hockey. And then the Twins and are very much like, hey, if one of them's really good, like back in 2003, 2004, Target Center was sold out consistently and, you know, everybody loved Kevin Garnett um, for obvious reasons, but like he loved playing off the crowd and it was a really electric atmosphere. Um, but it, I'm comfortable saying it has not been like that since 2004. I love Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I was, I was a huge Kevin Garnett guy, man. Um, I thought that he, uh, I mean, I just love the way he played. I loved his attitude, um, being in a, you know that small market there, um, and he was diehard. I mean, he was ride or die for the for the Timberwolves, man. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. There, it was. There's something about it, just quickly. There's something about um, Minneapolis. People love when you know people that aren't from Minnesota really buying in and being a part of it. And uh, you know, Garnett sells a house there. I think his I think his wife's from Minneapolis. Um, he really bought into being a Timberwolf, and that was that went a long way. And you know, he was so passionate, still is so passionate, and part of the reason why they're kind of on the rocks with him right now, him and Glenn Taylor, the owner. And so that's made it all that much more difficult since he retired, you know, hasn't really been around and they haven't retired his Jersey yet. And so there's a little bit of weirdness there too, which we'll get into the organization here in a little bit, but that's uh, you know, that still kind of hangs over everything. Yeah. That's kind of a travesty that they haven't retired his Jersey. I mean, I know he just, he seems like a lock. Yeah. I mean, like that's something that should have been done. I don't, it sounds like they've tried to. So this is this is not my reporting. This is me passing along what the local reports have been. But um, they've tried, and Garnett's not ready to do it yet. He's still kind of bitter about how things went down twice now with the owner. So it sounds like he's kind of he's waiting until he's ready. He came out and he said that he wished he would have ring chased or whatever the being a ring chaser. He, he wished he would have been, right. been a ring chaser earlier in his career, right? Didn't he say that? I don't know. I, I maybe it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know even when they traded him to Boston, like they had to convince him to do it. Like Danny Ainge and Kevin Gale had to be like, "Hey, man!" Like because he was, you know, he's he was loyal to a fault, and that was his thing. And like that's why they never acquired talent around him in part because they were he was buddies with Troy Hudson, so he was like, "Oh, let's give Troy Hudson extension," and they, that was part of their downfall. Well, I know that they also talked about too that he had that no trade clause and. And he, I mean, there are there are several, I guess, trades that were trying to go down, and he just kept 
you know, wave him because he wanted to be in Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. So we're going to uh, get back to the playoffs. Uh, the guys lost in the first round. Uh, went, what, five games? Yep. Um, I felt like you guys were kind of the the underdog, the team that everyone was kind of cheering for. I remember watching um, that last regular season game. Uh, yeah. I was watching it with my wife, and, like, it felt so fun. We were so happy for the team, and, like, how could you not root for them? You know what I mean? Um, but I, they just really underperformed. Yeah. Um, Carl just totally went missing. Um a career average, he averages 22 points a game and shoots 54%. He was at 15 points per game, which shoot 47%. Mm-hmm. He had the one game with 8 points. He had another game with 5 points. Uh, he's just kind of a shell of himself. Um, what did you think about Carl uh, Anthony Towns in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, um, I'd like to to speak like really intelligently about it. I'd like to go back and watch it. I, I don't think I rewatched any of the games, even the one they won, but I, I do remember getting the sense of it, it wasn't like, I mean, he had regular season games like that too. And, and that was kind of his, he would have a handful of games, maybe one a month where he would just completely disappear, not even get to double figures and points or rebounds. And part of that was, you know, he struggled a little bit with Anthony Davis who doesn't, you know, there were a few matchup things like that where he just was clearly overmatched in the playoffs. I don't know that it was like he was intimidated. You know, Clint Capella played really well for the Rockets um, and obviously has gotten paid since then. Um, but it was also more of a, like if you look at who's taking the shots on the Timberwolves, I mean, he ended up, I think he ended up, um, I guess I'm looking at it here. He was like third on the team in shots in the series, but there were a couple games early on where he wasn't getting those opportunities. You know, Derek Rose was playing really heavy minutes. Um, he was like sixth on the team in minutes in the playoffs. Um, so some of those other higher usage perimeter players were using up a lot of those possessions. Um, so I remember at the time thinking it was more, you know, Towns, it, it it's a, a little bit of a catch-22. Um, Towns does need to be more aggressive at times. That, you know, he floats a little bit on the perimeter, or you know, if he doesn't get the ball in the post, he kind of he doesn't really pout. He just kind of he doesn't chase after offensive rebounds like you'd want him to sometimes. And there's some things there where he could find an easy six to eight points a game just by trying hard all the time. Um, and then also they need to call his number more often. I mean, he's he's a top. 20 players certainly in the league he's an all-star you know run a play for him instead of instead of running Wiggins isolation plays um so I think there's a little bit of of both sides of the coin there where it's partly on Towns partly on Thibodeau and and a little bit on you know the guys that are on the floor not looking for him and getting in the ball yeah absolutely I thought Derrick Rose was like you said uh uh, I thought Derrick Rose was like the shining star of the team in the playoffs uh, which again was fun you know I felt like I felt like it was fun watching the Timberwolves. I felt like it was fun watching Derrick Rose be uh, really good again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you guys re-signed Derrick Rose. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, you can go back and look at everything I've written about Derrick Rose in the last year and a half on Dunkin' with Wolves, and, and I, you know, wasn't psyched about it when they got him. Um, you know, I was a big Ricky Rubio fan, and, you know, Jeff Teague's a good player. So the idea that, and so is Tyus Jones, the, the regular pack-up point guard. And so the Rose acquisition to me felt, weird because he hasn't really been good I, I get that two years ago year year before last with the Knicks he averaged what 18 or 19 points a game but he wasn't efficient his defense you know he used to be a, a pretty good defender and his defense has just gone downhill last year with the Cavs it, it was a disaster he left for a while was going to retire came back the whole thing um, so it just felt when he came I was pretty upset and then he was horrible in the 10 games or so he played in the regular season just just awful um like dribbling the ball off his knee like shooting weird bad floaters um and uh sorry if you hear a dog in the background 
No, you're good. Oh, sorry, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> big Timberwolves fan. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, he. Um, the regular season was brutal for Rose, but then we got to the playoffs, and you know he he played really well. He was he was legitimately good. He didn't quite look like Derrick Rose of old. I mean, he is almost thirty, um, but but he was he was a legitimately good player. He was a functioning you know sixth man on the team. Tyus Jones didn't play in one of the games. He had some kind of an injury in the playoffs, and Rose played really well in his absence. Um, and there must be something there with Rose and Tibbs that makes makes Rose play well, even though he's got no knees or whatever. But I mean, he had some burst, you know, he played some defense. He's a pretty good pick and roll defender for a point guard. He's still strong um, and can be, you know, depending on the matchup can be effective on defense. Um, I just worry, you know, that was such a small sample and, and he was able to sell out because it was the playoffs and they were only playing every couple days. And, um, you know, I'm worried that, that there's some sentiment that that's the Rose we'll get for, however many of 82 games he can play next year. Um, but there's certainly a little bit of upside there and, and, you know, it's, it's hard to fault. It's a minimum contract. So I, I guess the thing is, as long as they don't force the issue and if he's struggling, you know, don't, don't take minutes away from your first round pick, Josh Akogi or from Tyus Jones or from Jeff Teague, who's, who's a good player um, just to give Rose minutes if he doesn't have it. Yeah. I think that's always been the thing with Derek Rose. I mean, in his 10 seasons, he's missed 40% of all of his games and, you know, in the last what three seasons, he's mm-hmm. missed thirty. Or he's only played in thirty percent. Um, yeah. In the last three, so I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll be hogging the ball or anything like that. But when he plays, I mean, he's still productive. Right. Uh, he was in what twenty four minutes per game in the playoffs and averaged fourteen points per game, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is good. That's that's good production off the bench. And, yeah, and he was even making threes. I think he, he made seven of ten threes, which were mostly corner threes, which is obviously out of character for Rose, who I don't think ever shot above 33% for a season from three, 34%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were some things there that were a little a little out of character, but don't get me wrong. He was really good in the playoffs, and if he can give them 20 to 25 minutes a game and score double figures off the bench, um, you know, that could be beneficial. Yeah, I, I still think he's fairly tough to guard still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because he's still pretty athletic, um, even with his like knees that are made of paper clips <laughs> or whatever. What's that? Yeah, duct tape, uh, man. Or, you know, what I mean, if you go on, if you go on him really close, he's just gonna go by you. And like, if you give him space, he can he can hit shots. You know, not from super deep, but like mid range. Yeah. is good and stuff. So. There were a couple of plays, you know, even in in a transition. Transition is where he's still really dangerous because, and I don't know if it has something to do with maybe the the quick burst isn't there, and he's got to kind of get going a little bit. But he can blow by people in transition, and it's almost like the Rockets weren't expecting that. There were a couple of plays in transition where he was finishing at the rim, and you know he's not dunking over anyone anymore, um, but he can get to the rim and finish at the rim um, in the open floor and show some of that explosion and, and explosive explosiveness. Um, whereas in the half court, I think. It was a little more hit and miss. There were a couple of those where you know they were overplaying on the on the pick and roll, and he was able to blow by guys. But um, that's the play he wasn't making in the regular season, and then did in the playoffs. So I'm not really sure what to think there. Um, but certainly there's still some value, and he is only he's about to turn 30, I think. So um, you know, there's on a minimum deal, you can't be too upset with him with having him on the team. He's good. Uh, on a yeah. minimum deal, you'll take you'll take Derrick Rose on a minimum deal. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Someone who's not on a minimum deal <laughs> is Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um talk to me about Wiggins, man. To me, he's just been I mean, he was a guy that was highly touted, of course. Um, but he doesn't seem like he's reached 
where he needs to be. I don't know if it's it's just a lack of growth and maturity, or but but what is do we can we expect something out of him this year? Can we expect for him to have a breakout year where he can you know be the guy kind of next to Carl Anthony Towns, kind of carry the load a little bit? Um, I, I'm I'm waiting to see a, a Wiggins breakout. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both i mean it's been uh i feel like this is now our fourth straight year i think this is his fifth year in the league it will be um fourth straight year where where i've had this conversation on a podcast or written about it or you know someone's asked me um because it it always feels like like it needs to be coming he's too talented to not have a breakthrough he's always scored in the nba he's he's scored at every level his whole life um Last year, it was almost like two years ago, he took a small step forward. He was shooting the ball better. He was knocking down threes. But then last year, they added Butler, obviously, and Jeff Teague, who shoots the ball a lot more than Ricky Rubio did, whose Wiggins had played with him for three years. Um, and so suddenly now you've got four of the five guys in the starting lineup who are who have been at one point or another or another the first or second score, scoring option on a playoff or on a on their team, not a playoff team, obviously for for Towns. Um, but but now he's gone from he was the number one guy on the team the first two years. And then Towns kind of took that over and then he was third. And now it's like either he or Teague is third on the team for a scoring option. And so I think, I think that transition has been rough. Um, and then add in it, add in the fact that he hasn't really figured out how to defend consistently at the NBA level. He shows flashes that are, Hey man, this, this guy could be all NBA defense, which I think is what everyone was hoping when he left Kansas. Um, but then he'll have games where he just, he's far too athletic. He doesn't even get into a defensive stance sometimes and guys just blow by him. You know, he's not contesting shots consistently. Um, it's, it's a consistency thing. And then I think there's also something, um, something from a team defense and scheme perspective, that's not quite clicking for Wiggins. Um, and, and so that's, that to me is the biggest thing. Um, I don't want to give up on him as a shooter, but like, you know, he hasn't figured out how to be a consistent spot of three point shooter. If he can be average, um, and then, spend most of his time cutting to the rim. You know, in today's NBA, you'd think that shooting more threes is always going to be a better thing. And I was convinced that that was true even for Wiggins. But then last year, he shot more threes than he ever has before, and his percentage dropped significantly. Um, whereas if you look at his numbers as a cutter, you know, where he's cutting through the lane or, you know, he's he's coming off a screen and instead of shooting a jumper, he's going to the basket on one dribble or no dribbles. He's really effective. He's one of the better players in the league at being a cutter. But he doesn't, the Timberwolves aren't always putting him in that position and he's not always aggressive in that role either. So I think to me, what the Wolves need to do is, is do more of that, have Butler in isolation, have Butler run the pick and roll, send Wiggins to the, to the hoop on cuts, um, you know, have him spot up a little bit here and there, but he's not a spot up shooter and he's not somebody that should be running the pick and roll with the ball in his hands. He hasn't shown the ability to do that consistently. So, um, to answer your question, it's tough for me to see him suddenly having a breakout year. Um, that said, you know, it is going to be his second year with Butler. It'll be his, you know, second year as the third scoring option. It'll be his third year with Tom Thibodeau. So, you know, there's some comfort and familiarity there and, and hopefully something clicks and, and he can be a legitimate, you know, third option in the, in the scoring on, on the offensive end of the floor. Do you do you think that he can ever earn his contract that he's currently in? Do you think that during his contract he'll ever get to a point where you feel like it is fair compensation? No, I would say no. And and I mean it's it's a maximum contract. So yeah, I mean it's tough because how many max max contract guys are there in the league like that actually have the contract and how many you know there's tiers to that. And Wiggins is like there's some of these lists that have come out. You know the are ranking players. Fansided did a top twenty five under twenty five list. Um, last year they, you know, he was like, I think 20th or something this year. He didn't make 
the list and he didn't make the best of the rest either. Um, SI did their top hundred players. I think Wiggins was like fifth, no, he was 73 or something. He's in the seventies. Um, and there aren't, you know, there aren't 60 guys with max contracts. Um, Wiggins is not in the top 60 players in the league. He just isn't. And, and there's a lot of noise and stuff in those lists and it's not gospel, but that's just an example of, you know, he, uh, he, He's never been an all-star. I would he, think that the, the bare minimum for a max player is you have to be an all-star, right. right? Yeah. Well, and it's tough. I mean, like, he's getting paid more than, obviously, more than Towns now. Towns should be signing a max contract. Hopefully, by the time this gets posted, he's signed. You know, he should be doing it any day now. Um, and Butler is going to get his money and is getting paid a lot. But but given the other guys on this team, Wiggins is he's not one of the top three players on the team, yet he's getting paid currently the most of anyone on the team. Do you think that he can be the third best player on a championship team? If he continues to improve, yes. I, I think he has all the abilities um, that, that you need to do that. It's just he's got to understand that that's, that's his role on this team. Um, you know, if, if Butler and Towns are all-stars again next year and Wiggins makes a mini leap to being a legitimate third star, this is a true you know conference finals contender um, at the very least um, if he can figure that out. So I think yes. I think that He's got those tools. He's just got to be more consistent, and that's that's always been the issue with him. Yeah, I feel like that's what I've heard the most. With Absolutely. Him is, uh, just consistently. He, I mean, uh, there aren't, like, any aspects of his game that he's just, like, consistently good at. And I've never seen a workout video with him. That's true. We are big on workout videos and overreacting <laughs> oh, yeah. to them. Yeah. So I have. So Drew Hamlin is his trainer, and and I he trains some other big name guys. I don't know who offhand, but if you go to his Twitter or Instagram, I guess I've seen a few Wiggins videos in the past. None this year, but it's like every off season. You're you know, it's all the knock on him coming out of KU is mostly ball handling. Also his jumper. Ball handling's improved, but still an issue. Like he's not. He's he's not a good ball handler in the pick and roll. His court vision's not great. His handle's not great. But he's explosive. So if you can get him the ball within a couple steps from the rim, he can finish through contact. He can dunk over guys. He can draw fouls. But then even last year, like the first three years in his career, he was a 75-ish percent free throw shooter. He'd been like within one percentage point every year. Last year, he dropped to 63% from the line. Um, and he drew less fouls. He got to the free throw line less often. So he took a, a pretty clear step backwards last year on offense. Um, and and it's it wasn't, you know, he can't control necessarily how many shots he gets in the offense, but he can control making free throws. And he didn't do that. Uh, you know, he didn't make his open threes. So it's some of those things that he's just got to, you know, he's got to, he's got to, get better and then stay consistent with them. Right. Yeah. So, uh, going into some other signings you did, uh, or the wolves did this mm-hmm. off season. I don't know how many people you signed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Zero. Uh, they, they picked up Anthony Tolliver. I'm a Pistons fan. I grew up in Detroit. Um, this program and this network has always been, uh, very big on Anthony Tolliver. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a great veteran, um, that you can throw on really any team that can come off the bench and give you some good, solid bench minutes. Um, I think he's like the definition of a good bench veteran. Um, one year, $5.8 million, add some good three-point shooting depth. Um, you know, he's not going to be stealing minutes from anyone by right. any means. Uh, but I thought that was just a really good, solid signing. Agreed. Would it, would it blow would it blow your mind if I told you that he was on that 2010 team that I was talking about? No, it wouldn't. No, it really wouldn't. <laughs> he, no. he was. He was. He uh, he was like the. He came off the bench for that for that team, and he played like 20 minutes a game. And and I think that first year he spent two years in Minnesota. Last time around, um, the first year he shot like 40 percent from three, and I think that's when everyone said, "Oh, this 
he's a legitimate bench stretch four guy. And, you know, last year, yeah, last year at the Pistons, he set a career high for three point percentage. Um, and I thought it was a really savvy signing. I mean, they lost uh, Nemanja Bielica, who um, is going to go to Sacramento. He originally signed with Philadelphia, backed out, and now is going to Sacramento. Um, and he was a stretch four type guy, um, more of a more of a point forward, like he wanted to handle the ball and stuff more, whereas Tolliver understands his role and he's just going to knock down threes. Um, and I think Tolliver is a slight upgrade over Bielitsa just because, again, he knows his role. He's a solid defender. Um, he's a very good three-point shooter. He's not going to put the ball on the floor and, and get into trouble. Um, right. And and that's something Bielitsa would do a little bit too often. Um, so I think Tolliver's a, a great fit as a backup for um, Taj Gibson's the starter. And, and um it probably wouldn't shock anyone if I if I told you that uh, Taj Gibson set a career high in minutes last year with the Timberwolves under Tom Thibodeau. Um, he played in every regular season game. Um, he averaged like 33 minutes a game, and he's now going to be like 32. Um, and so, unlikely Gibson's able to do that again this year. Um, and Tolliver's going to see some serious minutes. Um, and and I think putting him next to Towns and having two guys down there um, at the five and at the four that can knock down threes um, is going to be great. Tolliver is exactly what Carmelo Anthony should be right now in his career. Yep. This is yep. like Carmelo Anthony should look at Tolliver and just be like, <laughs> yeah, I need to go stand in the corner, not take away shots from my teammates that are, that are good. I don't need to put the ball on the floor ever. Just give me the ball every once in a while. I'll shoot my threes. I'll be fine. I'll be competent and a good teammate and yep. I'll take 5 million a year. Yeah. I'd love to see you tell that to Carmelo. I should, shouldn't I? Yeah, he, w- he wouldn't listen. Carmelo, no, I don't, he I don't think listened. he'd like that. Hey, <laughs> Pete, they want me. To they be, want me to be on the bench. They want me to be Tolliver. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good press conference, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I can imagine sticking a mic in his face, like, so yeah. you should really be Anthony Tolliver. What are your thoughts, Melo? And he would. Hey, Pete. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Luel Deng? Yeah, I mean that's another one where like it's it's weird. I mean the whole Timberwolves thing is like and and you know, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know how these guys are taking it, but but if you're a non-Bulls Tibbs, if you're a non-Tibbs Bulls guy, it's got to be weird to now think that four fifths of his starting lineup, eighty percent of the starting lineup for that Bulls team that went to the conference finals, um, I think they were all starters. I don't think I'm remembering this wrong. At least eighty percent of the rotation of, of the guys that saw the most minutes are now on the Timberwolves. And, Producer Tim you know, says yes. He's a Bulls fan, uh, actually yeah. Bulls fanatic, and he is saying he agrees. That's absolutely the 80% of the Did they have Heinrich? <laughs> they don't. No. They had Heinrich at the time, and they had Noah. I think those are the two they're missing, well, right? So I'm thinking when Rose was the starting point guard. He was. Oh, okay. Heinrich came off the bench then. Heinrich, yeah, and then he was the starter when Rose got hurt. Hey, so like Noah's out there. What's up? Yeah, Noah's the last one. I mean, I mean they just got to – Let's pull it in, Tibbs. Let's go. Wait for that buyout. <laughs> well, and that's and that's apparently, you know, that's the rumor that that's what he's doing. The rumor was they'd either get Noah or they'd get Dang, and you know, who knows? Um, it, it, I don't know. It's, it just seems kind of like it feels kind of gross, like that that this is what we're reduced to is is Tom Thibodeau's just getting all the guys he knows, and and everybody could kind of see it coming. Even that first off season when he took over, they were rumored to be looking at Lil Dang, who thankfully they didn't spend the four years and seventy six million or whatever the Lakers gave him. Um, they were rumored to have offered Etwan Moore, who I think re-upped in New Orleans at the time, um, or had been traded there and then re-upped there, I believe. Um, there was somebody else too. Like there was just a whole list of guys and it was like, eh, is this what's going to happen? And then he kind of held off and, and he waited a year and didn't get anybody. And then last off season it was Gibson and Butler. And it's like, well, Butler's a superstar. So 
obviously that makes sense. Um, they needed a defensive big man and they got an okay, you know, Gibson is only two years, like fine. That's a good signing too. And then the Rose rumors kept, you know, they're going to trade Rubio for Rose. They're going to do that. And everybody's like, no, don't, that, that'd be crazy. And then they didn't do it. And everybody's like, okay, well, you know, that ship has sailed. We're not going to, we're not going to overreact to this rumor. You know, Rose gets traded, gets bought out and then they bring in Rose. And then it's like, okay, we're headed more in this direction. And now the Deng and the Noah rumors. Um, at the end of the day though, like if you look at this move in a vacuum, I mean, Lil Deng played in one game last year, so he may, he basically took the year off, but had to be in shape. He was on the roster. He didn't put any more, you know, wear any more tread off of his tires, which Tibbs had already done. And he had a, Deng had a poor <laughs> first year in, it, with the Lakers. And so, you know, he might have something left. And again, it's, it's essentially the minimum. It's like $2 million. Um, he's probably like the 10th guy, like 11th guy. It, it's tough to get too upset about it. It just feels weird. Yeah. I don't think anyone has any idea how good or bad Luol Deng is. I think right. that if Luol Deng was on just a normal contract the last, you know, four years, he wouldn't be seen as this guy that like can't play right. basketball. But people, well, I mean, he was good in Miami. Like he went, he got yeah. traded from the Bulls. Um, 2015, 2016, just a couple years ago. He was, he was yeah. fine. That's right. He was cl- traded to Cleveland. He was okay there. Spent two years in Miami and was actually a solid player. Like he wasn't an all-star like he was for a couple years in Chicago, but was a good player, a solid defender, was a starting caliber player, and then signed that big contract, had a bad year in LA, and then last year they told him basically to go home. He played in one game. That was it. Um, so yeah, I mean, he could still be a rotation player. I just like... I mean, they drafted Josh Shakogi 20th overall, and he's supposed to be this a 3 and D guy, had a great summer league, has a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, I get it. You're a playoff team. You want to have some insurance in case the rookie's not ready to go. But, like, they should be giving Josh Akogi every opportunity, especially if, like, if Jimmy Butler leaves in the offseason. You know, like, give Akogi the opportunity. Don't give Lul Deng, who's played one game in the last 18 months, you know, don't just hand over the backup small forward job to him. You know, just let's let's see how this plays out. Yeah. Do you think you're going to need that insurance? Do you think Jimmy Butler is going to leave? I don't. I don't know. I, you know, if you'd asked me three, four months ago, before all the off-season stuff had come out, I would have said no, just because the Wolves can pay him an extra like seventy million uh, with the supermax this summer, next summer in, in 2019. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff is overblown by you know media that would like Butler to be going to the coast, and Butler doesn't really care about that. He just wants to win. Um, but it sounds like he's legitimately frustrated with Towns and Wiggins. Um, this news broke. What, Sorry, does that, what does that stem from? Is it just because the, they're like millennials that like to play Fortnite I, and like <laughs> like Twitter and stuff like that? And he's like a hard-nosed guy that is like, you know what I mean, that came up the yeah. ranks and really busted his ass? You think yeah. that's why? I think so. Yeah, I think, I think yes. I mean, I, I think that there's, you know, Butler's only 29, so it's not like he's a lot older, but he does have that that mentality of, you know, he was, he played junior college ball and he was a late first round pick and he didn't play until really until second year in the league. And he fought his way to becoming an all-star in year four. And, and, um, he did, I mean, he, he was a, you know, he was abandoned as a child. I think a lot of people, uh, it's a cool story and he's, he's a great guy and, and clearly, you know, you know, works really hard. And so there could be something there with like, you know, Wiggins and Towns are both the number one overall pick. They were both stars in college um, and neither has won anything in the NBA. So last year it was like, you know, Butler's trying to instill this, you know, this, this work ethic, (laughs) excuse me, into those guys. And 
it, it was really hard to tell. Like during the season, it just kind of it, the chemistry felt a little off, but like nobody really knew. And then it, it sounds like there was some legitimate frustration. And and people, you know, Bulls fans especially will remember Butler's last year in Chicago with Fred Hoiberg. You know, Butler has an abrasive personality. He tells it like it is. He says what's on his mind. Hoiberg is very laid back. Um, so. Interestingly, Butler and, and Tibbs get along. You know, a lot of times people with that similar personality won't because they'll butt heads, but it seems to be pretty healthy for them. Um, now there's this news over the weekend of them having a sit down on Monday, Monday the 17th, um, the GM, Thibodeau, Butler, Butler's agent, to talk about his future. It seems a little weird to me that Butler and Tibbs went to talk sooner. You know, if they're, if they're, allegedly Tibbs is calling Butler all the time and they're always talking. And um, so it's a little weird that they haven't had that conversation. So, my guess is it's something like I don't know if it's an ultimatum if Butler says Wiggins goes or I go or you know something like that, but I wouldn't say that's out of the question. Like, um, you know, the Wolves can pay Butler more than anybody, and that matters. And Butler likes Tibbs, and that matters too. So then, what's the real issue? You know, Towns isn't going to go anywhere. If you have to pick, you pick the 22-year-old guy who's about to sign a max versus the 29-year-old that's about to be a free agent. You just do, um, and you know, Towns all start too. Just to be clear, right now. Like, going into this season, who do you think is a better player, Towns or Butler? Butler. Right. I, I, right, I would agree with yeah. that. Yeah, I don't but think there's any question. Upside. Towns' upside is just so good. Like, yeah. so good. Yeah, I mean, if, if it clicks on defense for him, I mean, he's probably a, a top five or six player immediately. Uh, yeah, it's a big if, because, I mean, he's only made incremental improvement, and I don't think him and Tibbs get along really either. I don't think Towns really cares for Tibbs, and, and that's also an issue. And, and you know, then... There's all these rumors about does the owner even like Tibbs? Does the owner care for Tibbs GD and everybody on the sideline every game? Like you know, there's there's all these layers to it that are just very wolves like. Um, it's just very uncomfortable and like because if Tibbs has to choose, I feel like Tibbs is going to pick Butler. But then what happens if the owner fires Tibbs and and then you have Butler and no Towns and then Butler leaves and then you have nothing. Um, so there's there's so many ways this could go, um, and, and it's. It's just not ideal to have this, you know, in the middle of September right before training camp starts. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, with all the distractions with Thibodeau and, and, and Jimmy Butler and all the things that were going on, is there any way if the if the Timberwolves don't make the playoffs, does Tibbs survive? I mean, your best player who is, I mean, I guess presumably would be Cat, um, isn't a big fan of him. Uh, it seems like the ownership is kind of um, wishy-washy about him. Does he survive if they don't make the playoffs? No, I don't think he would. Um, so Glenn Taylor, the owner, gave him a five-year deal, let him control everything, so the front office and the coaching um, the coaching side of things, obviously. And at the time, there were like six guys that had that, you know, Stan Van Gundy, um, Doc Rivers, um, technically Popovich, but obviously that's a little bit different. There's one other guy I'm not thinking of. Uh, oh, Budenholzer in Atlanta. Uh, he was like one of five or six guys. Now none of them have that. Um, either they've been fired or relieved of half of their duties and Tibbs is the only one. And so there's rumors out there that the owners regrets doing that. Also, he gave him a five-year deal. Um, and apparently the owner considered firing him this off season. Um, but you know, you you'd have to pay him then for three more years. So I think the thought process was, well, he did take him to the playoffs. Butler apparently likes him. Let's see what this year brings. If stuff goes South, if Butler comes in on Monday and says, I, I need to be traded by the deadline so that, you know, I can sign my supermax to whatever team you trade me to and not here and the wolves end up trading him. Or if 
things continue to go south or if Towns refuses, you know, is like the first player ever to refuse to sign a max extension because he hates Tibbs so much. I, I have no idea. I'm speculating there. But, um, you know, I could absolutely see them not making the playoffs and Glenn Taylor saying, I'll cut my losses and I'm 80 years old and I want to see the Wolves. I don't want to, you know, stop owning the team with Tibbs as the coach. I want to I want to take one more run at this and hire somebody different. Um, I, I would say, yes, if the Wolves do not make the playoffs, regardless of if it's due to injury or poor play or they blow things up, Tibbs will not be back next year. Okay. So let's let's put on our hypothetical hats for a second. Pretend mm-hmm. that Jimmy Butler walks into this meeting. Uh, like, like we said, we're, we're recording this right now on Sunday, the 16th. Um, and the meeting is the 17th, so it might be out by the time this all comes out. But uh, Jimmy Butler, where could he get traded to? Because a couple teams that I thought of um, were the Knicks, of course, because um, the heavy rumors of him and uh, Kyrie and mm-hmm. possibly KD as well. Yeah. Um, possibly Toronto, because this is, I mean, this is kind of their one shot uh, this year. They kind of have to go all in. Um you know, maybe a team like Charlotte, a, a team might not make as much sense, but they have some, some tradable assets and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, I could see something like Serge Ibaka and OG Ananobi. You know what I mean? If Jimmy Butler yeah. straight up says, like, I got, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to be here. Trade me now. Um, or I'm going to, you know what I mean, have a surgery. Or yeah. I'm not doing I think, it. So I think Tibbs is stubborn enough that that he would just say, that's not happening you're here until we're able to find something that we want in return for you. Cause the wolves would lose all leverage and that would leak out and people would, it would be ugly, but you know, Butler's still a pro and Tibbs is a pro. And I, I think rather than losing all leverage and saying, we'll take, you know, whatever, um, Serge Ibaka or, or whoever for him, um, then I don't think that Tibbs would do that. I think he would hang on to him and, and wait until the deadline when at least you'd have some leverage and there would be a team that would be willing to, to trade, you know, picks and players and whatever else. Um, so I think that that that's more likely, um, you know, a team like Miami, maybe that's kind of a fringe contender that has some young players, not a fringe contender, but a fringe playoff team. Um, that that's a possibility. It would need to be somebody with assets. The Lakers are a possibility. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, Kyle Kuzma, there, there's probably something there that, that could work. Um, so I, yeah, it's possible. Here's my only thing is I, I agree that he's a professional and, that he would kind of like hold himself and carry himself like professionally. But I also thought Kyrie was a professional. Yeah. I also thought Kawhi was. Yeah. And I also thought Paul George were. And the, all three of them came out and they said, I want to be traded. Here's where I want to be traded to. Make it happen now. And yeah. I just, I mean, that's that's like the last three big superstars we saw traded. Um, yeah. All came out and said they wanted to be traded. And it all happened. And they kind of all like, you know handcuffed their team by saying it and to if if i were a betting man i think that's what's going to happen do you think it happens like before the season or like early in the season or something like that i do yeah i think it happens before i think that he wants to be in a position like we talked about and be able to sign to the team that he wants to be with Mm -hmm. to his max deal um yeah for some reason I, i mean i know he likes tibbs i don't know if it's the immaturity of the other guys on the roster. Um, and, and he's at a point, too, where I think the guys of his caliber at his age are ready to be on championship contenders, and I don't think he sees that with the Timberwolves. So he's yeah. ready to make a move. 
So I th- to me, I think the biggest difference between Butler and those other three that you mentioned is timing. Um, if Butler really wanted to be traded before the season, he could have said this in May, um, and they would have had plenty of time to do it. So like Irving last year, I mean, he Kyrie waited till after the draft, but at least it was like July, and you know the Timberwolves were on that list because of him and Butler, the list that. And and also Kyrie didn't get traded to any of the teams on his list. By the way, I don't believe Boston was on that list of four, um, but you know, and he's probably going to leave Boston too. Um, so. I think Butler timing is the biggest I thing. See Butler to Boston too. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think Boston would be involved. I think Cleveland, well, maybe not anymore. Cleveland could maybe be involved um, if they wanted to get a second star and with love and try and you know be a playoff team. Um, I think timing is the biggest thing. If Butler really, Butler's not an idiot. Like he knows it's going to be tough to trade. You know, there aren't very many star trades that happen in September, October. I mean, I think really the last one recently was the James Harden deal and he wasn't technically a star at that point, but the Rockets Thunder trade was like in October, what, five years ago. Um, it, it doesn't happen very often. And if, if Butler wanted to get moved, he would have requested it sooner. I think it's more likely, this is just a complete guess on my part. I think he goes in and says, here's the deal. If these guys don't grow up this year, if, if I don't think things are clicking, I'm going to leave. I want you to know that now I'm going to do you the courtesy. Let's talk in February. And then Tibbs and Butler, who apparently haven't been acting like adults because they haven't talked about it yet. will not talk about it until February. They'll revisit it. You know, if the wolves are in in position to get home court advantage and, and Butler is happy. He may just say, yeah, you know what, let's see what happens and we'll see what I do this summer. Tibbs isn't going to trade him unless he knows he's not coming back. Tibbs is stubborn. Tibbs wants to win his career basically in Minnesota is riding on Jimmy Butler. So he'll ride it out. Or if things go South and you know, maybe towns gets hurt, hopefully not, or, you know, doesn't progress. And Butler says, yeah, I'm probably out. Go ahead and trade me. Then, you know, at least you'd have a little bit of leverage because of the trade deadline and teams will get desperate. So that's my take. I I think it's probably at this point, and this is sounds like a cop out, but I don't know, 50, 50 that he's on the roster on March 1st or whatever the date after the trade deadline is middle of February. Um, I think it it just kind of depends on how the first couple months of the season play out. Okay. So uh, if you lose Jimmy Butler, so say he requests a trade or they trade him before the March 1st deadline, does that change how you view the Zach Levine trade? I mean, you did, you guys gave up Levine with Chris Dunn and a pick um, yeah. and Marketing. Yeah, so, the pick I became Marketing. So I mean, the pick yeah. became Marketing. So um, does that change, I mean, the perspective of, you know, if you lose Jimmy Butler, does that change your ideas and thoughts on that trade? No, I don't think so. I, I think it was the right move at the time. Um, it, it's hard to, you know, five years from now, you know, we could hindsight is twenty twenty. But I think you, if you get the chance to, to get a top twelve, top fifteen player, a, a, a legit all star, you do it. Um, and they gave up a bunch of unknowns. I mean, Zach Levine was super exciting, really explosive, and maybe if he had, hadn't torn his ACL that March, I maybe. I would have thought twice before making that deal. Um, but he had torn his ACL. He was coming off an ACL tear um, and actually didn't really look good this year when he came back either for the Bulls. Um, and, you he, know, he got Chris Dunn. Oh, I'm sorry. He got what we call a dunk contest contract. Right. If he yeah, was yeah, yeah. Aaron Gordon dunk contest, he'd be getting six Aaron million Gordon a got year. The, Aaron Gordon got that money too, he baby. He got that dunk contest money. That <laughs> Aaron Gordon yeah. got that money, no <laughs> doubt. And, and, like, to be clear, I mean, Levine, I – Zach Levine, everybody in Minnesota loves that guy. He's awesome. Um, and he still has a hugely, a really high ceiling. It wouldn't surprise me if we look back on the careers of him and Wiggins, who um, were drafted, I think, in the exact same draft. Um, 
I believe, yeah, because Levine was the Wolves pick and Wiggins was the Cavs pick. So they, they came in the same year. If we look back on this and say Levine had a better career, that would not shock me one bit. I mean, to this point, he's he had a, a year and a half where he was actually better than Wiggins before his injury. Um, all that said, like, Levine is somewhat of an unknown. Chris Dunn had only played one year and wasn't good as a rookie. You didn't know what the pick was going to be. If you can trade three relative unknowns for a bona fide all-star who's got two years left on his deal, you do it. Um, so it's tough for me to question that. I don't think anyone could have, I mean, maybe Tibbs could have foreseen the issues between Butler and Towns and Wiggins, but you know, that's one of those things where you get the all-star, you become a playoff team and you figure the rest out later. Um, and unless Zach Levine becomes like, I don't know, becomes Jimmy Butler. Like if he becomes that good, he comes an all-star himself. That's the only way you can really look back on this and say, man, that was a bad move. Cause as it is, they still got the best player in the deal. Right. So, so we're going to take a break for a minute for, from talking about players that, uh, that have been playing in Timberwolves jerseys and might be playing and aren't going to be playing in Timberwolves jerseys. And we're going to talk about their actual jerseys, the actual uniforms themselves. Uh, Timberwolves have quite possibly my favorite uh, throwback uniform. I yeah. think I liked it, yeah. like it more than the uh, the Raptors throwback, which I think is kind of uh, kind of like the the standard for throwback uniforms. I know I went and bought my son one of those for Christmas this past year. Uh, what player? Uh, it was Vince Carter Raptors throwback purple. He Woo, I, I, don't, I don't even know how he knew about it. He just did some research. He's like, Dad, I need that jersey. How old? Eleven. Perfect. You know what I mean? Keep him. Oh, no, keep, I, keep I can't, I can't, I can't get awesome. rid of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> he did those, a good job. Those throwback uniforms are perfect. Are we going to see them at all this year? Do they have any plans? Yeah, I think they said there's five games they're going to wear them on. I think Halloween is the first one. It's it's a home game. Yeah, it's a home game against, I think, the Jazz, um, which is cool because it's Rubio, and that's always fun when he's him and Teague don't get along and fans still like Rubio. So that, uh, that's kind of a fun rivalry. That's And the Jazz are obviously are up and coming. Um in the West, in the same division too. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. Those jerseys, Halloween, you know, jazz in town. And then there's like four or five other games throughout the year um, that they'll wear them. I, you know, like last year, whatever that, I think it was the green one that they released. They only wore it five or six times on Saturdays. I wish that some of these would get mixed in more often because they're a lot more fun than, than the regular icon. And uh, was it icon and association? I think are the names of the other, the standard ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, like, I did a ranking actually a couple of weeks ago on Dunking with Wolves of the jerseys in Timberwolves history, and and uh, this is my favorite one, um, the original that they're using as the throwback, the black from the the good Garnett years. Um, I think is is easily the best jersey they've had in their history. All right, so I'm gonna task producer Tim, producer Tim, head over to our Twitter and find the article about the uh, it was on Dunking with Wolves about the greatest Timberwolves jerseys. And go ahead and throw that a retweet because I definitely want to read that. So Absolutely, love me some. Throwback. I mean, there, I know there's some bad ones in there, so it, it's uh, don't <laughs> don't spend too don't spend too long on, on uh, numbers <laughs> like eight through ten. Um, yeah, I mean the new ones are good too. I, I like the new ones um, that that they wear, but the um, the throwback to the black. I think really all their black jerseys through their history have been their best jerseys. Um, I think they've tried too hard with some of the other the whites and the blues. Yeah, the uh, I, I still remember having like a anything is possible. Um, <laughs> poster with Kevin Garnett, yeah. like the old one where he's throwing up the, uh, the whatever the yeah, stuff, you know what I mean? The chalk, oh, yeah, the chalk man, that was anything cool. is possible. He, he was like the the first guy I remember doing the chalk. Yeah, yeah, that was his thing before before LeBron did it. Uh, I don't know. 
I remember. Oh, I remember you go. know, I'm the you know I'm the elder statesman. <laughs> you know, I remember Jordan. I remember Jordan that. clapping the chalk boy. I, I remember that. <laughs> what is that? You know, back when Bill Russell played. You know, what I mean, he. I'm not that old. We didn't even have an out of bounds line back then. <laughs> no three point shot. No free throw. You just guess where the free throw was. We didn't have foul. So. <laughs> So anyway, so yeah, so I want to talk uh, predictions. Uh, where do you see this Timberwolf team uh, finishing up? Uh, are they a playoff team again this year? Um, what do you What do you see the for the uh, for the future for these Timberwolves? That's a tough Western Conference. Right? Yeah, I mean you're in you're in the Wild Wild West out there. I mean it's 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 brutal, and I mean it's getting better every day with every trade and every move. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does. I mean you know it's crazy out there. Yeah, so I think. Barring something unforeseen, which obviously you gotta you gotta assume relative health when you're talking about these predictions, but I do think that they're a um, they're a 50 win team. Um, last year, my projection was was high 40s. They won 47, and Butler missed uh, 16 no 21 games. He missed 21 games. Um, with him in the lineup, they were on pace to be a 53 win team. Um, I think you factor in some improvement from Towns. I think that their bench got better. Um, I think you add Rose, and I think Okogi will be good. You add Tolliver, and you subtract Jamal Crawford, who ended up just being a horrible defender and just shooting too much and didn't actually shoot the ball that well last year. I think their bench got better. Um, the intangible, the chemistry issue, like we just don't know. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that they're around 50 wins. If things click and somehow magically they get over their issues. This could be a you know 55 win team. I think that there's enough talent on the team that that's the case, and obviously the bottom could fall out too. So I, I think I'll, I'll say they're a 50 win team right on the nose. Um, I think in the West that's probably you know probably the fourth seed, maybe the third this Ooh. year. Man, yeah, I, I, I mean, but think I mean if you think about like obviously the Warriors and the Rockets, but right. LeBron and the Lakers, but it's tough to see them winning many more than 50. I mean, look at the Cavs last year when LeBron had a better supporting cast than he will this year in LA. How many wins did they have last year? Who the wolves? Yeah. 40, they were 47, 47, 47. wins. So I'm going to say that like those wins against the Lakers, I don't know how many times they play the Lakers. I'll say, that, yeah. How many times did they play? If we uh, guess three, I would say three, three or three, at least three. So three they four. probably won like two or three. I think, now I think they won. Yeah, I think they won all of them. Yeah, so yeah. now they're going to lose some of those. Sure. Even like, the gimme games against like Dallas and the Suns and stuff like that, and those teams are not world beaters by any means. I just think that yeah. you lose a lot more of those, and there's no room for error. Um, sure. I think, what's the over-under on that team, Ben? Uh, the Vegas Vegas set the odds for the over-under at 44 and a half. 44. Yeah. Yeah. Which is lower than last year. I want to say last year they were like at 46 and a half, and so they barely hit the over with Butler going out, though. So, I mean, now Butler misses. If you go back and look, I think he's only played in every game once in his career. He always misses 15 games or so. Um, So there's that, too. I mean, but if you also look at their record against the East, they lost to like, I want to say they lost to the Magic twice. Like, they lost to some pretty bad teams that they shouldn't have lost to. Um, and you can do this with any team. You can go back game by game and say, oh, that was a bad loss. That was a, They shouldn't have won that game. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, the West is definitely tougher. Um, but I think you factor in, you know, some of those things that, that also were, you know, can go the other way. Some of those bad losses factor in natural progression. Um, I think it's a similar season. Hopefully Butler doesn't miss time. But yeah, I mean the West being tough, it, it's it's going to be a slugfest. Like you could you could after the Rockets and the Warriors, you could reorder like three through ten, and 
it'd be tough to get too upset about, you know, nobody's going to be too mad about putting LeBron in the three seed, but, and I don't think he misses the playoffs, but like, you know, it's, it's really tough to see them being better than, you know, the Spurs are going to take a step back. So you got to consider that um, the jazz are probably going to be a little better. The nuggets will be better because Millsap's healthy. Um, but there's also some, you know, the Suns aren't good. There's the Kings aren't good. There's some bottom of the barrel teams still. Too. Right. I get it. I think it, Ben, man, I'd probably say, I'd probably go around 46. I feel, I feel good about a 46. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, anywhere from 45 to 45 to like 53 isn't crazy. I think oh, yeah, anywhere absolutely. in that range right. is about right. No, absolutely. And they can get hot, of course. No, absolutely. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, Ben, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, we, of course, loved having you on our show. Um, this Thank really you very much. We would like to give you a shot to kind of plug yourself, uh, give yourself a shout out. Where can our listeners find you, um, read up on sure. you, follow you, all that good stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, appreciate you guys having me. Um, so, dunkingwithwolves.com, it's the fan sided. Um, network uh wolf site um we were you know pretty active on there two to three posts a day usually you know ramping up here with with a media day and training camp only about a week out and then preseason starting like five days after that um and then i can be found on twitter at at uh, at b beacon b-e-e-c-k-e-n um, and then dunking wolves fs is our uh, twitter handle for the site um, and then i also contribute across fan sided i do a lot of different you know just kind of freelance pieces here and there for fansided on their various sites. Um, and then uh, also write for Grandstand Central, which is kind of an up and coming um, sports and pop culture and, um, you know, kind of a, a little bit more of a sports for the thinking fans type blog um, that's relaunching this week um, on a brand new site. So that's grandstandcentral.com. Um, and mostly writing about basketball, a little bit of baseball, a little bit of a uh, little bit of football there as well. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, you know, getting ready to, to really ramp things up at Dunking with Wolves as we head into the season. Right on, man. Well, uh, we're looking forward to it. Honestly, Grandstand Central sounds really interesting. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We'll be uh, on the lookout for that as well. Uh, but we appreciate you coming on, my man. And uh, we'll be talking to you, I'm sure, on Twitter soon. Awesome. Appreciate Thank it, guys. You, Thanks, man. Have a good one. Yep.